Today we're looking at um, Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 12. And uh, I've titled the message, Think About What You're Thinking About. Think about what you think about. And the implications that what we think about actually sets things up as to how they're going to happen. Do you ever go over in your mind a conversation that you've never had with somebody that you would really like to have? (laughs) Okay, you're thinking about what you want to be thinking about or what you want to be saying. The challenge is that we want to be thinking in the proper terms because most of the time what we're thinking about we wouldn't say. (laughs) But Jesus here in Matthew chapter um, 7 gives to us this outline and it is the Sermon on the Mount, and there are a number of topics that he goes through here, and I'm not going to give you the entire Sermon on the Mount in the next 25 minutes, but we're going to look at one section of it in Matthew chapter 7, beginning at verse 1, and we're reading from the Message Bible. Don't pick on people, jump on their failures, criticize their faults, unless, of course, you want the same treatment. That critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. It's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. Do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face for you, when your own face is distorted by contempt? It's this whole traveling roadshow mentality all over again, playing a holier-than-thou part instead of just living your part. Wipe that ugly sneer off your own face, and you might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. Don't be flip with the sacred. Banter and silliness give no honor to God. Don't reduce holy mysteries to slogans in trying to be relevant. You're only being cute and inviting sacrilege. Don't bargain with God. Be direct. Ask for what you need. This isn't a cat and mouse hide and seek game we're in. If a child, if your child asks for bread, do you trick him but with sawdust? If he asks for a fish, do you scare him with a live snake on his plate? As bad as you are, you wouldn't think of such a thing. You're at least decent to your own children. So don't you think the God who conceived you in love will be even better? Here is a simple rule of thumb guide for behavior. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you, then grab the initiative and do it for them. Add up God's law and prophets, and this is what you get. So this is a very interesting section of Scripture that I'm sure we've, we've heard many times, but think about what you're thinking about. Human behavior is sometimes difficult to understand and sometimes impossible to understand. Uh, we watched, if you watched the news this week, it was a horrible situation in which some individual, we'll call him a person, uh, kidnapped a young child and then they found the child dismembered. And you wonder, how can someone even think of such atrocities and even yet alone do them? And yet, this sickness is in our world and we know that this sickness stems from sin and sin is a separation from God and these are not God's thoughts. God's thoughts are not evil. God's thoughts are not not destructive. God's thoughts are of forgiveness, of restoration, of bringing us into a right relationship with Him, allowing His Word and His Spirit to be very active in our life, taking us in a direction where where we can become more like Him. 
So, as we think even of the, that atrocities, this, this week on PBS, they were showing a, a, a documentary or showing a film about Pittsburgh to Poland. And it was about the Holocaust survivors, and there are three Jewish individuals that are in Pittsburgh that survived the Holocaust, and they, um, the Jewish community, wanted to take teachers to Poland and have them um, go through this experience of seeing what happened in, in, the, in the camps over there. There were three individuals, and one was a, a lady who, as a child, uh, her mother um, got out of town, I don't know the names of the towns, but got out of town and was living in the ditches and in the uh, countryside, in which one morning she took her nine-month-old, eight-month-old child and gave him to a farm, farming family and said, will you please take my child? And the next day or two later, this mother and another child were, were killed. And this family took on this, this baby and raised this child as their own till she was four, six, whatever. And then her, her um, aunt came and picked her up. Another individual was one that survived because he was on Schindler's List. His, his dad and he were taken to that factory and survived there through that time because he was on the Schindler's List, but his mother and sister were killed. And then there was an individual who was in hiding in the woods. He wasn't a part of any resistance, but he would join himself with different groups, and he survived um, the atrocities that happened. So watching to see this, um, to see the places where these atrocities and these things have happened, and hear the stories of these individuals, and how that you have a first-hand perspective of people who were there. And the one lady had the numbers on her arm. And I remember, um, maybe some of you remember uh, Dr. Tonkin that was here. He is a Jewish radiologist, and uh, he had some of his friends. We were at a wedding and in a room, and some of his friends were there, um, and friends and family there. And there were at least one or if not more others that had the numbers on their arm that had survived the concentration camps. And we see where people do things, good and bad. The, 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 you know, we see and hear of the atrocities of, of the Holocaust, but also we don't hear very often of the farm family that took on this eight-month-old baby to raise it as their own, putting, them, putting themselves in harm's way. If the Germans, the Germans came and they said, oh, it was a cousin's child, but if they had been found out that this was a Jewish child, they themselves would have been killed. So people do good and bad things. Why? Why is it that there is such a contrast in all of this? Why is there such a contrast? But you see, there's even a contrast in our own thinking. We have the same contrast going on of good and evil, of thoughts that would like those thoughts that you talk to people that you don't really say to them, <clears throat> things under our breath, uh, there are things that maybe come to mind, but those are not God thoughts, and they don't originate with God. So why not allow all the good thoughts? Why don't we just think good things, and why can't we be so preoccupied with good that evil has no hold in our life and in our actions? Being so preoccupied with God's ways that the evil ways have no place in us, do you ever think about what you think about <laughs> and the outcome of those thoughts? Now, maybe only preachers do that for sermons, but do you ever think about what you're thinking about? 
Do you ever, what's going on? What are your thoughts? You know, if any of you ever ask you that, what are your thoughts? And you go, I don't have any. <laughs> Generally, you have them. You just don't want to share them. Um, but sometimes things are not what they appear to be. That was a sermon the other day. Here's a thought. Here's a little characteristic. Here's, an, here's, a, here's one of those little, why do, we, what, why, why do we make boats out of wood? Wood floats. Well, why do we make boats out of iron? <laughs> Displacement. But iron sinks. Yeah. Displacement. It's called the law of flotation. Anything can float if it's lighter than the mass of liquid that it displaces. But we would never think of iron floating. We would always think of wood. So, but you see, iron sinks, yet boats are made out of iron. Why? Because anything can float if it is lighter than the mass of the liquid it displaces. So, we today are here to make iron float. <laughs> we are able to make iron float in these massive ships, and it always amazes me, the um, aircraft carriers and things, these massive cities floating, in the, floating, in the, uh, it, floating on the sea, I was going to say floating in the Atlantic, but they're in every sea. And it's by the same law, the same law that makes iron float is the same law that makes iron sink. So the connection is the same thoughts that we have will make us do good or can make us do evil. It's, it's recognizing the law that God has in our life and how that these thoughts that God puts in place for us and the perspectives that God gives to us in his word that changes the outcome that makes iron float <laughs> rather than sink. So look at what you're thinking. Look at how we are acting, acting towards ourselves and acting towards others. Will it make your life float or will it make it sink? See, the Sermon on the Mount contains such practical ideas about life and relationships. It's about how we can make our life float, how we can make our life better, and how we can make relationships better, and how that we can even challenge our thoughts in a way that bring to us the reality of God's thoughts. Because we know that there are Hitlers, and we know that there are people who do unthinkable things, but we also know there are people who do good at great risk and even unthinkable things. To put their entire family at risk for a little child that's now living in Pittsburgh. You wonder. So the portion that we look at today gives us an outline of behavior that directs us in how to conduct our lives in reference to the faults of others. Did you know other people have faults? <laughs> did, you, did you know that? <laughs> there, people actually have faults. <laughs> other people, not me, but I mean other people. There are other people that actually have faults. And you see, judgments and assessments. I, I know I've done this before, but it, there's, a, there's a way to look at it. Judgment, you see, if you bite into an apple and there's a half a worm, a judgment is all worms are apples. No. All apples have worms. <laughs> okay, that's a judgment. Bite into an apple and you find a half a worm in there. A judgment is all apples have worms. Now, an assessment is I've got a half a worm in my mouth. 
<laughs> so you either going to chew it up and swallow it or you're going to spit it out. You want the fresh meat or you don't, okay? All right. So the challenge is, is it a judgment or is it an assessment? Well, there's a worm in the apple. You have to do something with it. So look at, know what you're thinking and why you're thinking about it. So, some people have faults. And how then do we look at these faults in light of God's word? You know, oh, I can't judge. Well, there's a difference between a judgment and an assessment. In the scriptures that we read here, and this is the challenge, because it says, you know, don't pick on people. Don't judge lest you be judged. And then later on, it's in verse um, 9, Give not what that which is holy unto dogs, neither cast you your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet. Now, here we are told not to judge. Then, then we're told, don't put your pearls, don't give, your, don't give those pearls to the pigs. Well, they're not people who run around and look like hogs. <laughs> how do you tell the difference? Well, we will find out. Don't pick on people. The first one says, don't judge lest you be judged, King James. Or it says, um, don't pick on people. Jump on their failures, criticize their faults, unless, of course, you want the same treatment. There's a caution, the caution against judging. To sit in judgment, to form a negative opinion about someone or something, holding to a negative opinion. See, there are some people who are just negative. Do you know them? Have you seen them? They're not here today, but you have seen them. There are people who just are negative individuals who hold negative thoughts. And the challenge then is don't sit in judgment. See, there's a difference in this, in this section here. Um, it goes on. It says, that critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. A critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. Critical is a turning point. A person who sits in judgment who is looking for the negative, will always have a critical point that turns them in a negative direction. It's not called critical thinking. It's called critical judgment. See, there's, there's, critical thinking is a good thought. <laughs> critical thinking is looking at something and assessing it for what it is. And that, that's a very good process of learning how to do things. But there's a critical spirit, which is a negative turning of judgment. And it says... As we look at this, it's saying to us, it's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face. So it's causing us to look at the person, not doing the assessing, but the person sitting in judgment. See, there's a difference here. The, the focus in this section is about the person with the negative attitude. The person who has a critical judgment, critical spirit, a critical attitude that is taught constantly, constantly, directed in a negative manner. This goes on. These are the people that have see a smudge on their neighbor's face and oblivious to the ugly sneer on their own. Why don't you smile more? <laughs> Why aren't you happy? I, I mean, this one, one individual, he really irritates me. You know, he comes up to me and says, are you unhappy? What, do I look unhappy? He says, well, you know, you're not smiling. It's like, 
thank you very much. I wasn't aware of it. I saw you coming, and I just got a frown on my face. <laughs> you know, I don't know. <laughs> you know? And, you know, and it, it, some individuals just feel like it's, it's their mission in life, you know, to tell you certain points that you've never been, never been obvious, that's not obvious to you. Like I sat down in a, in a patient's home this week, and the guy said, I think you should lose some weight. I never met the man before. <laughs> you know, how do you know I should lose weight? How do you know I haven't lost 100 pounds? And this is, this is good, you know? <laughs> it's just like you're sitting there, and all of a sudden he says, I think you should lose some weight. I said, well, hey, thank you very much. You know, I don't know where it came from, but I think that that's critical thinking. <laughs> critical judgment. You know, people who, you, you just see them coming, and it's like, I don't want to talk to them. <laughs> You see, why? Because you have assessed the situation many times over. You have found the half a worm every time you've been with them. And that's not in them. You're the one that's stuck with it, you know. Here, let me take, let me, let me take that worm out of your mouth. You know? Do you have the nerve to let me say wash your face for you? <laughs> when you, your own face is distorted in contempt, it's a whole and here, you know, it goes back to that. It's a whole traveling roadshow mentality all over again. It's the actor. See? Roadshow mentality. People who are hypocrites are actors. Actors. It's here, here is the actor. They are acting a part. I am superior to you, so let me tell you how. Let me play, let me play the role of superiority. That's what he's talking about here. Let me play the role of superiority and let me tell you how you are inferior to me. The focus is on the person and the attitude of the person who is being critical. Wipe that ugly sneer off your face. Oh, what? <laughs> That's what it says here. Wipe that ugly sneer off of your own face and you might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. You see, the focus in this section is about me about my attitude, about me sitting in judgment of others, of me picking on, jumping on, critical of, better than you, traveling roadshow mentality, let me play the part of a judge and put you in your place. So that type of attitude has a way of boomeranging and coming back and hitting us. For the same judgment that you judge others with, you will be judged. It's like you can't get beyond who you are. And you don't really see what God is doing in others, and you don't even see what you're doing to yourself. It boomerangs on you. So, verse 6. Don't be flippant with the sacred. The King James gives us an, 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 the one that I, the section. This one, one of those verses that I really like. The King James in, give not that which is holy to the dogs. Neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. It's basically if you've ever I've never hunted wild boar, but you can have them turn on you, and a hog can rip you in pieces with them tusks, and. What he's doing here is don't be flippant with the sacred. Don't be just, don't take what is holy 
and flip it around and make jokes of it. There are people that, you know, that I work with and, and they say holy to, they put holy attached to many different objects and I will say to them, there is no such thing. <laughs> you know, and they will say that there's a holy hell and I will say there is no such place. <laughs> there is no hell that is holy. I'm sorry. There isn't any place. I'm not sorry. It's the truth, you know. And every time they say it, they go, oh yeah, I know there is no such place. That's right. So I remind them. You know, I don't tell them not to swear. I just tell them there's no place. There's no such place. You know, there's no such person. <laughs> you know, oh, or I know that guy that you're talking about. <laughs> you know, I know him personally. You're going to meet him someday. But I just wanted you to know that. So, you see, there's ways that we can tell people without setting in judgment. We can let them know what they're doing is wrong. So, banter and silliness give no honor to God. You see, there, there is a... There, you know, you can have a sense of humor about anything. And, and God, I think, has a sense of humor because just look in the mirror. And uh, <laughs> so we don't reduce holy mysteries. We don't reduce these holy things to slogans. Oh, don't worry. Be happy. <laughs> you know? Why would I be happy? Oh, you know, God's going to take care of everything. Don't take what we believe and throw it out in flippant statements and trying to be relevant. There's more to it than just turning it into a one sentence, one, tell me what your thoughts are on God. <laughs> yeah. Why does bad things happen to good people? Give me, give me the answer in one sentence or less. So, yeah. so judgment has to do with me in the equation. But we find here, the first one, the judgment is first me and then the other person. But turning the sacred into there, what we're doing in the assessment is there are things that we give to people and they will take what we give them and throw it against God. So I'm not in setting in judgment of them. I need to be aware that they are taking the things of God and making them unholy and throwing them back in God's face. That's the place where I don't cast my pearls before swine. I'm not setting in judgment I, am, I feel inside of me a sense that God is hurting because I have taken what is sacred and they are trampling it underfoot. So therefore, I need to be aware of what I share with that person. God still loves them, and God needs to know that they are loved, and I need to tell them that there needs to be a change in their life but I don't need to tell them about the love of God. And the you know, I need to be aware of what I need to say to them and let God speak to me. Because there's a difference between me saying, I am, you know what you need? You need to straighten out your life. You need to be like me. <laughs> no, that's judgment. God needs to be in your life. He can change you from the inside out and change that critical spirit. Oh. So we're sharing God. And they can take that and trample it on. Just let it go. Go on. Then there is this wonderful scripture that says to us what? In the King James it says, Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. In the, in the Message Bible it says, Don't bargain with God. Be direct. Ask for what you need. That isn't a cat-and-mouse hide-and-seek game we're in. Do you ever, you ever see people have cats? 
I don't have one, nor do I want one. If you give me one, I will give it back. I don't like cats. That's it, okay? I'm allergic to them. <laughs> That's why I don't like, no, I just don't like cats. But anyhow, cats have their place. They do. And it's just not around me. So whenever I go into houses, and people have these little toys, and they have these little strings. So I just saw this the other day. I have this pole with a string and this little fluffy tail, and they lay it around, and, you know, the cat chases all over, you know. Do you ever think that that's what you're doing? That God is up there trying to get you to follow this little tail, cat and mouse game? That, oh, I'll just play, pretend like I don't see that, that lure out there, and when it gets here, I'll pounce on it, and God's answering my prayer. I had a praying mantis once that came into my house. If you weren't here for that sermon, it's in the, it's in the archives. All right. <laughs> but we have this cat and mouse. Don't play cat and mouse games. God's not in the cat and mouse game. The, the Bible says in the King James, knock and it shall be an open. Knock. Knock on the door. Why? To be open to you. So did you ever knock on someone's door hoping they wouldn't be home? Did you ever knock on somebody's door hoping they wouldn't be home? Oh, oh, call me, yeah. <laughs> oh, I was here. Oh, happy day. And you weren't home. <laughs> so knock. See, the idea is in this scripture, it's not a cat and mouse game. It is don't bargain with God. Be direct. Knock at the door. Know what you want when you get there. Hmm. Pray about everything. Pray about it. Then it goes on, ask. Knock, seek, ask. Knock and ask. Ask represents bringing something clearly to your own mind so that you bring it clearly to God. So we are asking. We are bringing what we have need of. We're bringing it clearly to God. Because then you will know. What will you know? You will know when God answers your prayers. You see, sometimes we need to arrive at a point. God doesn't always answer our prayers, but our needs are that he will take us to a certain place, and it is following that need and following that desire that God takes me here because here I have to turn left or right. But we need to make up our mind what we want and go in a direction. Because I can't, you know, it's like sitting in a car and turning the wheel that's not in motion. You're not going anywhere, but you're turning your wheel. God wants us to have in mind exactly what we need to knock with expectancy of God hearing us, being home, asking, meaning I know what I want and I know exactly what the need is and I'm presenting it to God and I seek. Seeking is there is something of value that I desire to have. And if it is very important to me, I will seek it until I find it. And Jesus talks about here, he says, if your child asks for bread, are you going to trick him? <laughs> I'll give him sawdust, he won't know. Or if your child asks for what? Fish? I think I'll put a live snake on this plate. Look here, I got a fish for you. <laughs> it's a snake. If you as a human... No, not to do such things to your children. How much more does God, does God want to give you good things? 
So make up your mind what you want. And then here's a very simple rule of thumb, verse 12. Here's a very simple rule of thumb to guide your behavior. Ask yourself what you want. What you want people to do for you. What do you want people to do for you? I want them to be honest, straightforward, caring, loving, truthful, generous. I like those qualities. Then grab the initiative and be that with other people. Be that with other people. Take the initiative, grab hold of what you want people to do for you and become that for them. Because it's in this place that we're going to see that we are not judging other people. I'm not going to give it to them because they're not good enough to get what I have. That's a judgment. There are some people here that are really lost. And I want God to love them through me. I'm not risking anything. I'm just loving them. Hopefully, the love of God will touch their life and they will change. I'm not sitting in judgment of them. I have assessed the situation and they are in need of God's love. Just like I need God's love, I need to allow God's love to flow through me. Seize the opportunity. Grab the initiative and do it for them. And as I do it for them, as you would want to receive, give. As you'd want to have love, love. If you want to have friends, be friendly. <laughs> if you want to be a leader, then give. Be in a position where you want to help other people become what they need to be. You've become a leader. It's something how all these things come together. Human behavior. We know that there are some crazy people out there. <laughs> and we know that there are some people who have lots of faults. But that's not the problem. God wants me to be his witness. God wants me to be his witness. Not a self-centered me, picking on, jumping in, critical of, better than, roadshow mentality. He wants me to grab the initiative. And he wants me to know what I have need of. And knock at the door and expect an answer. To seek that which is of value and become that person of initiative that I will take the initiative to show God's grace and mercy to all that I come in contact with. Amen? Shall we stand? <laughs> so, do we know some people who need this sermon? <laughs> It's your mercy, O oh God, and your grace that just continues to look into our lives. You know, um, it's on the website. I was, if you go on the website, you can actually see the video of the, of the sermon. <laughs> that was, that was, uh, <laughs> that was something I wasn't prepared for. <laughs> to see me. <laughs> but, um, Guess what? God has a way of taking who we are and helping other people. So, God, your grace and your mercy is extended to us 
And God, we want to see your hand working in our lives. We want to see you working in us, Lord. So help us, Lord, to know what it is that we desire of you, that we want to pray, Lord, about that which we are in need of and pray and pray and pray again. We will knock and knock because we have an expectation that you are listening to us. We will seek that which is of value. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers, touching our lives, and let us grab the initiative, Lord, to become this person that you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. God bless you.